Welcome to the Nightmare Podcast. I'm your host, Lance. It's Tuesday, and we have a very, very special show for you. A few weeks ago, I got to sit down with legendary artist, creator, Lynn Smith. He's worked on everything from Roger Rabbit to Tailspin, Winnie the Pooh, Scooby... I mean, you name it, the guy has done it. He's... Not only is he incredibly talented, but he's also ridiculously nice. Like, I had so much fun talking to him. You know, they say don't meet your idols, but it's not true here. I, I got to learn about the ins and outs of coming up in animation and what goes into a show and why Winnie the Pooh needs clothes. All these things. And now you're going to get to hear this. This is an interview I did with Lubicon, and I'm going to share it here on the podcast for the first time. So here it is. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. All right. This is Lance, the Night Nerd. We're here with Lynn Smith uh, as part of our Lubicon virtual events. Mr. Smith, how are you doing today, sir? Good. Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming. We're really excited. I lucked into it. Really, you know, one of those Facebook you may like, and it, it was some of your work and it showed you and I messaged and here we are now. So, so thank you. It's, yeah. it's really cool. One, one time Facebook did, did some good, <laughs> but uh, you, you're a, a legend, a Titan. I, earlier I posted, I was like, I'm interviewing a Titan of animation. You've worked on so many amazing projects over the years, but I kind of wanted to use a pun, kind of go back to the drawing board and talk about you, like what, got you in the animation and kind of your backstory and, and how you got to that point. Uh, if, you, if you'll tell us a little bit about that, please. Uh, I think I've always been drawing um, since I could hold a pencil or a crayon. Um, my dad could draw. He had a scholarship to art school here in California and uh, he kind of turned it down and became a carpenter. But uh, I saw how hard carpenters work and I said, uh, I think I'll learn how to draw. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a lot less heavy. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I would get coloring books and use them as model sheets instead of coloring them. So, uh, you know, I kind of think uh, I was born to this. Nice. When you were growing up, you know, when you were using those modeling sheets and things, were there any characters that really stood out, like ones that you were your favorites to draw, or did you just anything and everything? My favorites were the Hanna-Barbera characters, like uh, Yogi Bear and Huckleberry Hound. and um, Of course, they were simpler characters to draw, so it was easier to get started with that. Um, but my family always enjoyed cartoons. We always had cartoons on. Um, my grandfather, who, who raised me basically, and my grandmother, but my grandfather worked in a rock quarry. So naturally, I grew up on the Flintstones. You know, I would sit in his lap and watch the Flintstones, you know, this is when it was on in the evenings. Um, so it always represented home to me, you know, cartoons. Um, there was never a, you know, don't do that. You know, you can do something more with your life or, you know, they encouraged me actually. So that was very cool. That, that's awesome. You know, that's uh, something 
a lot of people unfortunately don't don't get that you know it's like oh no you go to school be a doctor be a lawyer or something like that yeah. And, uh, yeah. but we need we need the arts we need the animators and things and so that's cool as you grew older and kept obviously kept drawing and things um what was your foot in the door in the industry you know like i said you worked on so many things going back to like pound puppies and and uh snorks all all these great shows what was like your first big experience when you when you knew like hey i'm an animator well, in high school, all of my teachers would also encourage me to draw. Um, in fact, I wouldn't pass some classes if I didn't draw. I drew a, a caricature of my English teacher, and he passed me through his class. He said, don't ever tell anybody you majored in English, but, <laughs> you know, just because of one drawing. I mean, you, you couldn't get away with that today. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, everybody told me I should do some draw, which meant I should uh, reject it. <laughs> so it took me five years after high school before I decided to uh, call Hanna-Barbera. And um, they gave me an appointment for an interview. I came in on that day. Um, the man who looked at my portfolio, his name was Harry Love. He was a director on the old Tom and Jerry classic cartoons. He was, he was an old guy. But he's flipping through my portfolio, and it was a homemade portfolio. Just two pieces of cardboard. I didn't even really know what a portfolio was. I just needed something to carry my drawings in. So I put together a self-made portfolio, and he's flipping through it. And he looks at me after about 10 minutes and goes, you drew these. Said, yeah. He said, wait here. So he gets up from his desk and goes into another office and uh, comes back about 10, 15 minutes later and says, can you start today? So there I was with no formal training. And I was going to go to work for the, you know, the studio that I grew up on and loved. So, you know, that was awesome. And I went to work for Iwo Takamoto, who is the, the guy who created Scooby-Doo, who designed Scooby-Doo, um, and a lot of other characters at Hanna-Barbera. So I went to work right at the top. He hired me for development of new shows. And, uh, you know, it was like I won the lottery that day. That had to be a real long and excruciating, like 10 or 15 minutes when he got up and, you know, just like, did you draw these? And just left and you're sitting there waiting, like stewing on your own thoughts and stuff. That, that had to be an experience for sure. I was kind of numb to the whole thing. I was surprised that I even got the interview in the first place. You know, you, you can't do that anymore. You know, you got to go online and send samples and things and wait to hear. So it was pretty cool that, that's awesome that, that's an, a, a great story you know about being encouraged following and just putting putting in the work and getting it done that's really cool and like i said now you gotta you almost have to prove that you can do all of it before they let you do one part of it it's it's different um, it, and it, it, was, it, it was pretty pretty overwhelming 
in that I had no experience. I was just, you know, the kid at the back of the class, just doodling in my notebook, you know, and all of a sudden, here I am at Hanna-Barbera Studios. Yeah, and that was, you know, uh, one thing that I like about cartoons is they still kind of carry that old Hollywood style in where you can see a cartoon and you know what studio it came from. You know, you mentioned the animation style of some of the older Hanna-Barbera stuff, but you can see something and immediately know that's Hanna-Barbera or that's Disney or uh, Funimation or whoever it is. And that, I, I think that's part of the appeal, uh, not only of the cartoons themselves, but just the style and things that way, you know, you can see and they, they don't all try to copy. I mean, they, to an extent, but really that everybody has their voice. And you know, like I said, especially, um, when you were growing up, when I was growing up, you you knew, you know, right, two seconds into that theme song, what what you were getting into, and so that that's really neat. Right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the the legacy of some of the projects that you worked on here. Um, you you worked on so many great things, like we mentioned, you know, Snorks, Pound Puppies. I was that was my jam when I was a kid was Pound Puppies because um, we had a bunch of rescue dogs, and so that was. But things like Winnie the Pooh and, and Tailspin, um, you know, Tailspin was taking the Jungle Book and updating it. And, and then Winnie the Pooh is such a classic, like with that approach of having your own voice in there, but still honoring what came before, you know, especially being an animation fan, you know, you, knowing what came before and everything. How, how challenging was that to to work out and you know, again like daunting with okay i'm doing winnie the pooh now i'm doing the jungle book but i still want to make it you know i don't want to just do the jungle copy and paste it like how, how does that go down well with winnie the pooh you know that that's a world a small little world of characters by itself you know and those characters were already established by the movies so basically on that, I was more of a costume designer. You know, every time the story would change and you'd need a, a new costume, that's where I would come in on that. But um, on Tailspin, it called for additional characters, you know, main characters. And so they asked me to do some some takes or, or give my impressions of what these characters would look like. So, uh, you know, I did Kit, Cloud Kicker and Don Carnage and Molly and Wildcat, the main character, four of the main characters. But I had to match the style of the original Jungle Book, you know, so I had to kind of try and pick up Milk Call's style. Milk Call was one of the nine old men at Disney and did a, a lot of the animation on the original Jungle Book movie. So um, it, it was challenging, um, but I love the challenge. So it, I mean, it, it worked great. I, I love I love that show. And, you know, all the characters uh, you, you talk about, uh, those, you know, everybody knows Baloo. It's, it's literally still like, it's Baloo the bear. Like, you, you people know who that is. And yeah. so bringing in these new characters and seeing how they interact it 
it was like my favorite. I mean, Baloo wasn't even my favorite part of the show. Like, you know, I was a kid, so Kid Cloud, kid, I wanted one of those little sky surfboard fan. I, I forgot what it was called, but you know, the I wanted one of those. I was terrified of heights and I didn't want to fly, but I wanted one of the, those to go through. Um, speaking of like the costume design and kind of tying the Winnie the Pooh stuff into the tailspin things, is that, you know, because you're designing costumes not only for animation, but for animated animals, creatures. Um, is that a, when you design clothes for human based animation, like is it a different approach or is it the same thing? You know, because you got to think of tails and, and different body types and stuff. Yes. Um, but, you know, it's. How can I say this? You know, uh, with one of the certain things, like I did Tigger as kind of a Zorro type character. So I had to put him in a, uh, a mask and a sombrero. And uh, I gave him gloves, which were basically oven mitts. And so it's got to be little made up things that fit within that world. You know, um, it's harder to talk about the process to <laughs> do it. Yeah, that I mean, I can only imagine. Um, the I, I don't give a I don't give a lot of thought. Yeah, I don't give a lot of thought to this stuff. It just comes out. So, yeah, that that's cool. Yeah, that and that I didn't even think about that. You know, because. Tigger's not going to have a cloth, you know, a full wardrobe closet or anything. Right. So, yeah, he's going to have to work with what he has and trying to a wooden walk. sword and yeah, that that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so, you you also worked on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is you know one of the staples of animation. Even you know now that everybody wants to be that level. Of, of stuff um you know that it was still hand-drawn uh it was a beautiful film but working you know you did layouts and stuff like that how was that blending live action and animation uh you know being an animator and coming from that but then also having to deal with real people the process on roger rabbit was pretty intensive um they shot the all of the live action before we did the animation and for every frame of animation there was a live action photograph so you had to put the photograph down and then lay the paper over it and then draw the characters to sync up with the live action and that's on every frame of film where there's animation you know, and there was no computers then. It was all hand done. That's the old school, the, the way they did it on, uh, you know, Song of the South, for instance. Um, you know, there was no computer assistance. So we had all these boxes lining the, uh, the studio for each scene of the film. There was a stack of photographs, you know, a few inches high. 
And I remember one time accidentally someone kicked a box and those scene, those frames were knocked over the place. They had to, you know, uh, put those frames back completely in order and it was a nightmare. But um, I didn't have to deal with that so much uh, because the layouts, you know, didn't require frame by frame uh, animation. But, you know, setting the tone of the world of Toontown, um, you know, it had to work in it. I kind of went with a, a Max Flusher kind of an idea, you know, that everything was alive and everything could move and everything had expression, you know, back to the old kind of Betty Boop and Popeye kind of feel. Um, I'm not even sure where I'm going anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, it did com completely. Uh, and actually, okay. Segway is really going to because so after that we had the animated series Bonkers, which was more or less a, a spinoff of Roger Rabbit, except fully animated because they were in, in Toontown and stuff. Um, so again, you're creating yeah. new characters in, even though it's an established world, it's only a recently established world. Uh, so when with that show, because you even uh, like did some writing on it and stuff too, you know when you're crafting that world. Uh, now that you have the freedom of full animation, like were you able to have a little more fun with it and stuff? That was kind of a leap. I, I kind of fought against it. You know, they, they presented me with the idea. They had already pitched this idea seven times to Jeffrey Katzenberg, and he turned it down every time. And then they brought me in on it, and it sold. So I kind of made that happen. But, um, and then I, I wrote the first Bonkers short with uh, uh, Len Yu, who was a writer at uh, Disney. But yeah, I kept pushing back saying, so these are cartoon characters against live action animated characters? How does that work? You know, where do you make that difference? But, um, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever even seen an episode, really. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, it, it, I don't, it only lasted um, like one season, I want to say. Yeah, one season. So, yeah. Uh, but, but back the concept, then, like the concept of. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I was even, you know, when I was younger, it was. I knew it was Roger Rabbit's world, but like you said, it's like, well, but where's the, where's the line? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but you know, it's still, it's a, the show's a whole lot of fun still. And, uh, you know, again, it was part of that. That's when Disney was making that afternoon push with uh, Goof Troop and Darkwing Duck and, and Tailspin was there too. And, and all of those. So, uh, you know, brand syndication. That's when that, that syndication money was what everybody was going for. And, yeah. and but now it's yeah. the streaming. <laughs> and their intent was to own the market. So yeah, yeah. the more they could put out the yeah. I mean, I, I 
did the first season of uh, the Little Mermaid series also. Yeah, and I remember that one. That was a. That, I, I remember when that came out because you know the movie was part of that renaissance. Uh, really, kind of kicked off that that rebirth that Disney had, and then the series. Uh, honestly, like not just because I'm talking to you, but I enjoyed the series more than the movie. And I remember because it was like just more kind of just self-contained stories and stuff was going on. Um, and there was a video game that was based, came out. It was based on the more on the series, and because it, it had some of the characters from the series in the movie. And I remember playing that, and I oh, I logged way too many hours into that. But um, we're making that jump from the Little Mermaid movie to the animated series. Was that a? I mean, I think I already kind of know the answer, but was that a smoother transition than the Roger Rabbit to Bonkers transition? Yeah. Um... Because again, it wasn't that huge question of what is this? We already knew what it was. We were just adding on to the the world that already existed from the movie. Yeah, and you know, uh, looking at your 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 resume, all these amazing shows. I, I think it's really neat that you have some. You know, Little Mermaid. It's all underwater, and that's you know, physics and things are different there. And then. Your Roger Rabbit and Bonkers, you know, physics are different there. And Winnie the Pooh, we made so being able to animate, uh, you know, a lot of people don't notice and appreciate, but it's it's there. Being able to animate within those different parameters and tell these stories is, is just awesome and and amazing and beautiful. And so I just thank you, you know, for for all of that. that that's really awesome. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> it's I'm. I, I can't draw, but I can watch some cartoons. That's a, <laughs> I, I, I'm a lot like, you know, I grew up at my grandmother's house and we had the old, you know, six hours of Fleischer on a VHS and I'd sit there and watch all six hours. And it was, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so. Um, and, uh, and, and then want to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had all the Disney movies, but we also knew that there was animation that wasn't Disney, which. It's something a lot of people, especially in the you know eighties, nineties, there they they didn't you know they Hanna Barbera was kind of that's when they were doing all the uh, Tom and Jerry kids and Flintstone kids and pup named Scooby Doo and they that was they were trying to get that market and my my youngest yeah. actually been watching pup named Scooby Doo and I'm like I remember this show but I don't know why it was you know it, it was just funny to see um, but. We've talked about these different time periods, you know, the old Fleischer stuff, uh, which I mean, huge, the Fleischer Superman cartoons are some, I think, still some of the best animation out there in his, his Popeye stuff. Um, yeah. We talked about the Hanna-Barbera's, the 80s and 90s. Now, animation is in uh, an interesting place, I guess is the nicest way I can put it, because the hand-drawn style which is what I prefer, you know, it's, it's starting to come back a little bit in shorts and things, but right now, you know, the, the digital style isn't even the 3D digital. Like now, like the, the latest Tom and Jerry movie, they did 2D CGI, which was, I mean, it, it, it actually looked pretty polished and pretty good, but then, but then you also have like the, the minimalist style, which was something that, 
you know, Chuck Jones did in the 70s um, with some of his Simon Jerry stuff. Um, back then it was budget reasons, but today it's artistic reasons. What, with the ever-evolving way that cartoons are, with all of those, you know, kind of, where where do you, where do you see the industry going and where would you like to see the industry go if that's a different path, those two? I see a lot of uh, people trying to revive classic 2D animation. I mean, I don't know if you saw the uh, movie Klaus on Netflix. Yes. About Santa Claus. Yes, that was a good beautiful, one. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, you know, and I keep, and you know, the game Cuphead, awesome. Um, so, you know, I just keep hoping it gets traction, you know, and, and picks up because I, I'm so tired of looking at bubblegum CGI. And I mean, it, it hurts the eyes sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't get the same kind of emotions that you get from Pinocchio or Dumbo or, you know, those are masterpieces, all hand-drawn. You know, you can't even do that, the stuff they did in computers today, the way they did it back then. Um, it's, it's, I hope we can get back to the hand-drawn because it become, it's from the heart of the artist. The artist is the actor, you know, and uh, you can't get that out of a machine, out of a computer. As hard as you try, you're never going to get there. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, we're kind of, we've seen that resurgence of, of vinyl in music, you know, where you hear the pops and the clicks and in the original recording, because that's, that's what the artists did. And I think, you know, with, with animation, uh, hand-drawn animation, you know, because it, while it is, you know, it has its hard lines and it's clean, it doesn't have that over polish like you were talking about. You know, some, sometimes if something is is too polished, it just looks unrealistic. And so maybe you know, I think that's we've seen it in, in music kind of start to come back. And hopefully, because uh, you know, I know this year I saw the Academy Award nominations the other day. Um, I didn't pay too much attention, but I think one of the shorts, one or two of the shorts, are hand drawn for animation. So you know, if, that, if one of those could win, I think that would be a big big help for the cause yeah now, glad you mentioned cuphead like that's that's my gem i i love that game I, when they announced it's amazing it, I, a hand-drawn i mean they drew every frame for a video game and i i have it it's inside uh, i mean i have all the merchandise but i have the big hardcover the art of cuphead and in there they have Fleischer references, they have um, iWorks references, you know, yeah. all this stuff, and it's just yeah. I, it's it's a yeah. great game, but it's a beautiful animation as well. Yeah. Um, and, and throughout the quality of the characters and the background and everything remain consistent. You don't ever see, you know, oh, it, it kind of fell into a uh, Ren and Stimpy kind of thing or something for a second. It's all 100% 
possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's, I mean, it looks better than some of these multi-billion dollar, because I'm a gamer, like that, uh, that's, and movies, cartoons, video games, those, those are my thing, comics, um, you know, the, we recently had Cyberpunk come out, and it was, in in these computer anime games you know those that's where you get the all of a sudden the person's face is over here or when they walk up to each other i walk up to shake your hand and my arm is in your stomach and you know you don't get that with traditional animation and so i think that's um again hopefully games like cuphead you know stuff like that brings and i think it will you know i I think uh we get a lot of people now who are appreciating the past uh, going back, the, even right now, there's a comic book series called The History of Animation, and it starts like in the 1800s, you know, the early 1900s, the very dawn of it. So I think as more and more people are exposed to the history and realizing that it's not just Walt Disney, you know, Walt Disney served its purpose and it's, it's has made some amazing things, but I think it's people realize the other ones that were out there uh, because like people who don't even know who Chuck Jones is, I'm like, you, I guarantee you, you've seen a Chuck Jones cartoon in your life, or or Frizz Freeling, or you know people like that, the big Looney Tunes guys. So, yeah, I I think we're getting there. Um, I I just I want it now. <laughs> I don't I don't know that it'll come back big only because of the cost, and you know they're not the people traditionally trained. To do it on a mass level, you know, I was surprised by the new Warner Brothers Looney Tunes. How they kind of got back to the you know hand-drawn classic '40s, '30s, '40s, '50s style. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, yeah, we'll see. Well, Mr. Smith, thank you so much for doing this. This was. I got to talk to a, a hero, you know, talk to somebody who's responsible for so many awesome things. I, w- I want to thank you so much. Um, where can everybody find you uh, out in the internet, find, find your work and your stuff and check you out? Where are the best places to reach you? The most stuff I have up is on Instagram. Um, I post there pretty often. Um, Len Smith draws. At, at Instagram. Um, otherwise, just Google me, you know, you know, or on Facebook, just Lynn Smith. Nice. Yeah, we'll definitely go go check him out. So many cool things. Um, yeah, I after the other night, I, I follow you on everything you do. You post so many old stuff, new stuff. You know, talk about stuff. It's you'll learn things just by following you and you'll see cool things you'll learn cool things and it, it's really great so make sure you go give him a follow i'm still learning myself so uh, <laughs> you you won't ever see the same thing twice well uh again Th- thank, thank you for having me oh thank you so much for doing this and hopefully we can do this in person next year um thing hopefully things calm down a little bit great. you can come see the beautiful you can come see the city of lubbock uh <laughs> We have lots right. of dirt stuff, you know. <laughs> my my dad my dad is from Texas, so uh, okay, I, I, I would love it. Nice, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.